Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you and welcome. I appreciate you being here. Today's episode of Perspectives on Healthcare features another patient interview from the Patient Interview Marathon. This one is with Bill McCracken from up in Canada, out on the west end of Canada in British Columbia. I hope you enjoy what Bill has to say, and I hope that it's something that you might learn from. Hello, Rob. Hello, and welcome. Please, what is your name, my friend? My name is Bill McCracken. And Bill, where are you from? I live in Kelowna, British Columbia. I was born in Nova Scotia, but I've lived in British Columbia for more than 50 years. Okay. Um, and all of your entire life has been lived pretty much north of the bo- north of the border, so to speak? Yes. Although I have been south of the border because I have a family south of the border. Uh, have, you know, on several different legs of the family are south of the border. So we've been south of the border, been in contact with uh, Americans, but I've always lived in Canada. Excellent. All right. So let's start here. And that is, um, can you tell me about your self and your experiences in the healthcare system? (laughs) Okay. Well, I am 73 years old. And I have to say right at the beginning that I've had far more experience with the medical uh, community than I ever thought I would, than I ever really wanted to have. But both for me and my wife and for our children, the the process of pregnancy and childbirth, all of those areas, I've had lots of contact with the healthcare system. Okay. And... Along your journey, have you met any healthcare heroes? Yes, and I was listening to the previous uh, interview, and uh, you know, I agree with everything Wayne said. And I was just trying to think what I might say that is in addition. I think in addition to the why, it, it the heroes that stand out in my mind are the ones that remain retain their humanity that understand compassion and empathy and they understand that when someone is really sick or in a lot of pain they they need that support much like a little child and so they're not afraid to do that hold your hand for instance which for an adult man that seems kind of silly but when you're seriously in pain and you're really scared someone holding your hand is a wonderful thing yeah, a tweetable moment, right? Healthcare heroes maintain their humanity and yes. empathy. What a what a powerful statement that those are the ones, those are the people who really are making a difference and uh, and are to be lauded. Yes, and I would imagine that part of it is because they they are maintaining their humanity, which allows you to connect on more than a professional level 
it allows you to connect on a human level. It, how does you, how does that sound to you? That's, that's you, yeah, you said it very well, very clear. Okay. Oh, good. I, every now and then I'm able to, you know, get something out there and share what I'm <laughs> sure what I'm trying to say. Um, so is there, would you say that there were any, anybody specific that you can think of that would have been a healthcare hero? Well, the one, the one nurse that I will never forget as long as I live, I don't remember her name, but she would, had red hair, and this is for, more than 40 years ago, and she's the one that held my hand when you know a procedure was being done that was painful. I was kind of scared, and she just held my hand and said, now, the more it hurts, the harder you squeeze. And, you know, she was probably around my age, maybe a little older at the time. But, you know, I needed that kind of support. And I wouldn't have asked her for it, but she just gave it, offered it. And it was so wonderful. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny to, to hear you talk about that because sometimes when someone says, like, the, the more it hurts, the harder you squeeze, uh, there seems to be a transference of pain, which, in which yeah. I, I am in much pain, so I, you must therefore also be in much pain, and it somehow makes me feel better, which, what, what a twisted concept. That, is that crazy? It is, yes. Uh, I mean, thankfully, I'm not in pain today. But at that time, I was in a lot of pain and had been in a lot of pain. And my future was very uncertain. I, it, was, it was a scary time in my life. Yeah. So it, what I'm hearing you say, though, there's, there's more than just the transference of pain. There is the power of human contact. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Just literally the feeling of being in touch with someone else, being yes. in contact with another person. That yes. is, that's a, that's something that is irreplaceable and the value of that can't be overstated. It, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, that applies of course to our relationship with the healthcare community, but it applies to our life. You know, we, throughout life, right to the very end, I think the most important thing that we need is human contact. We want, I think we want it right to the very end, to our last breath. We want our someone to be at our bedside holding our hand as we take our last breath. It's interesting to hear you say that. I think the first interview I did uh, today was with Celia and she was talking about how um, her partner was in the hospital and because Celia was um, advocating so strongly for them, she was kicked out and she wasn't allowed to come into the hospital. Mm. And within, I think, 24 hours, she said he had passed away and yes. there he was and he passed away alone. Right. Uh, and that's yeah. the, my comment then was that no one should be alone in in those times and no. you know even even for someone who is in a you know non-responsive state there is still something there the that connects to the fact that there's someone else in the room yes. that, that is with you it, 
Does that make sense to you? Uh, yes, absolutely. In fact, I have experienced, I've been with two people while they were dying, and it was very clear to me that the last sense to go is the sense of hearing. So even though they couldn't communicate with me, their eyes were closed, they could still hear, and they were responding to verbal cues. And so and I, so me, myself and other family members were there, and that was, I can tell, it was very reassuring to the person. So, yeah, it's human contact, family, but, of course, caregivers, too. The, that human contact is... Is, is enormously important. Right. Okay. So um, what does quality healthcare mean to you? I think quality healthcare today, maybe, maybe it always has, but it seems to me that today our system is very fractured. We have uh, every specialist is sort of this little silo. And the challenge for a patient is to, navigate all the silos and very often one specialist is not really considering the other specialist's role and so the challenge is to get them to work together and to talk to each other and each of those specialists to treat me as a human patient I'm one person and I have maybe multiple areas of concern but all those things are interconnected our bodies are, are very complex. And so uh, if I could say that to every healthcare professional, I think that is enormous. Yeah. Um, that is, it's so true as well. It, just to, yeah, you said it well. Thank you for saying that. Um, <laughs> what do you wish that your medical providers understood about you? Um, I think relating to what I just said, I wish they understand that I am one person and they're looking at one part of me. Most specialists are only looking at one little part, maybe my heart or my stomach or my leg, but I'm one person. Wow. Okay. Talk to me more about that concept, please. Can you can you expand on that? The, can you expand on the idea of being one person and only looking at one part? Well, the heart specialist looks at my heart and might prescribe medications and look at things that are related to cardio, the, your cardio system. But medication that he might prescribe affects other areas of my body. And I'm seeing this with my wife. She has... Uh, lung issues, she has stomach issues, and and those things all are interconnected with her heart. And, you know, it's a challenge to get all of those areas addressed, you know, in a comprehensive way. Yeah. Yes, what you've said is so true because, and I think your use of the word fractured is very, is appropriate. Um, and I don't know, in psychology, I think that there was the concept of Skinner's cat in which the thing was kind of all sectioned all up, but no, no one part of the body exists all unto itself. They're, exactly. they're all interconnected. And yet, yes. as you've said, the more specialized people get, 
the more uh, they are, the more their area of expertise is limited, and the there needs to be a development of a of a team approach or a referral basis to make sure that, um, and maybe this is this is what the role of the primary care physician is maybe to say, okay, you have all of the specialists and we're going to be kind of the hub in the wheel through which all of the information flows and we pull together all of the rest of those specialties. What's your reaction to that? In an ideal world, that's what should happen. Sadly, not every uh, primary care physician understands that or is able to do that. He probably faces a lot of resistance because each specialist uh, kind of considers their area of what their kingdom and they don't want any interference. So I'm sure there's some resistance. But the other person that the other professional that plays a huge role in that can be a nurse. I have a niece who's a very intelligent, experienced nurse, and she works in the cardio area now. She was for years in emergency. She understands quite well the, you know, the whole body and the impact. So she keeps saying to the the cardio doctors, you got to think beyond just this little square in your chest. You know, that you're dealing with a person. They may be diabetic. They may be, you know, there's maybe other things going on in their life. So you need to look at the whole picture. And she does that. I, she told me that, that she does right. that. So that's another area of where she, she plays that role. She just does it because of where she is. Right. Okay. And I, I would just like to make an official statement that, enters the record here and that is if you've been listening to the podcast so far you would you would believe that the medical community is comprised of uh, doctors nurses and dentists and i firmly believe that it includes much more than that it includes occupational therapists it includes speech therapists pharmacists acupuncturists uh, oh gabe did mention chiropractic so uh, there are a number it extends way out, and to me, um, all of the all of them have something to contribute, and all of them have a different way of looking at things um, yeah. that they, and because they have a different way of looking at things, they're going to be able to give you. Um, they're going to be. They represent a viewpoint that you're not going to to get from the other practitioners. Not. Not that any of them are better than others. Um, it's just a matter of which ones are, you know, who's looking at it and how can we get all of the, the viewpoints to, to go together. What's your reaction to that? Very well said. That, that is very true. And it ties into what I was thinking earlier that uh, relating to what the previous uh, interviewee said, um, we the perspective I think needs to be that I, as a patient, come to a healthcare professional for advice and I need to incorporate his wisdom and understand it. And maybe I need to, maybe I need to ask questions, but eventually I have to at least filter his, what he's advising me. And if I respect his wisdom, I I will follow it. But I, that, that's very different than coming to the, the guru to be fixed. 
So, yeah. okay, uh, Bill, listen, we are we're almost out. Well, no, we are out of time, but I still have two questions for you. So we're okay. I'm going to squeeze your answers in quickly, if you don't mind. Um, okay. At least, I don't think I asked you this. Uh, what do you wish your medical providers understood about you? Did I ask you? Oh, or did I ask you that? Well, I, I don't know, but I wish they understood that I'm one person. <laughs> yes. So I did ask you that. Good. Well, you know what? It's great. I asked you the same question twice, and it'll count more than once towards the uh, towards the Guinness requirements of five questions. And the last question, uh, did I ask you what is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? I, I think maintaining that. As the previous, I agree with the previous interviewee and, you know, maintaining their humanity, remembering why they're doing what they're doing, remembering that they're treating people, uh, all of those things. Excellent. Listen, Bill, I appreciate you joining me today. I appreciate your help in um, moving forward with this Guinness World Record attempt. And I, I respect your perspective on healthcare. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate you, Rob. You've, uh, you're kind of an inspiration to me. Well, of course, I, I I've, known you, I've known you uh, ever since you were born. So, Yeah, um, and I will, I will say thank you for that, and thank you for not telling stories about me from when I was little. <laughs> All right, talk to you later, Bill. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Rob. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.